What an amazing time of worship together and what a powerful time of giving to God as well. And what a team that we have here at Life Changers International Church, our team that ministers both in worship and ministers in emceeing and ministers and receiving the offering, even those who minister in speaking and preaching and teaching, we are truly, truly blessed. And I want to minister to you today because I have this word building inside of me and I just got to get this out to you. I got to get it out to every one of you. Can you open your hearts today? Can you open your minds today? Can you open your hands today and receive all that God has for you? Come on, I want us to give him praise like we have never given him before. Let's give him the loudest shout. Let's give him the greatest praise. Let's say I'm expecting. Let's say, God, I thank you, God. I trust you, God. I love you, Father. I thank you, Father. I trust you, Father. I love you. What are we doing? We are spending time with God. And I want to continue to teach you about how to spend time with God. And in particular, I want to show you the five types of prayer. Well, I've been talking about the five types of prayer for several weeks now. But I, I haven't gotten to this one specifically. I want to talk about prophetic prayer. Now, remember, we're going to learn actually to pray like a prophet. But remember, there are five major types of prayer. The prayer of communion, which is fellowship with God, talking to him, worshiping him. One thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord. And behold, his beauty, the beauty in his temple. Right. I'm asking God for one thing and one thing only. The message Bible tells us that I will spend my whole life in God's house, that I'll contemplate his beauty and study at his feet. Wow. So that's the first type of prayer. The second type of prayer is the prayer petition we talked about when we make our requests known to God in Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven. And after the prayer of petition, we talked about the prayer of intercession. That's when we're praying for others. We're standing in the gap, right? We're asking for what others need. We're believing for our family salvation. We're believing for breakthroughs in their lives. We're believing for our church. We're interceding for me, your pastor and our team and our staff and the people that volunteer and the, whether it's the people in the parking lot, whether it's the people online, whether it's the people that are serving in the children's ministry, the youth ministry, uh, in every ministry that we have here, our prayer ministry, our altar ministry, because you're going to have an opportunity to come to the altar at the end of this service and receive whatever the Holy Spirit has for you. And like last week, it was so powerful and we are going to continue to experience that power as well. But we also talked about the prayer of thanksgiving. And in John chapter 11, verse 41 through 45, when Lazarus was dead for four days now and Jesus shows up at his grave. Remember this? And come on, everybody knows this story, but I want to just focus for a moment on what Jesus did when he prayed. He said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I want us to say that together right now, just wherever you're seating, wherever you're sitting, wherever you're watching, I want you to say, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Father, I think, come on, say it out loud. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And then he goes on to say, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And notice that's the prayer of thanksgiving. Uh, Father, I thank you that you heard me, not that you will hear me one day, but that you have heard me, right? And then it says, look, at that's the prayer of Thanksgiving. And then it goes right into this prayer that I want to talk about today. 
when it says in verse 43, and when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says, and the man who had died came out of his tomb. Wow, that is prophetic prayer when he is speaking to that which is dead and commanding it to come to life. This is not a prayer that we're going to God to ask him for something. We're going to God to thank him that he's already heard us. And then we're going to that thing that's dead and we're prophesying it back into life. This is called prophetic prayer, like what Elijah prayed in James chapter five, verse 16 at the end of this verse. Come on, turn there with me if you have your Bible with you. And let's look there because this is such a powerful verse. At the end of verse 16, he says here, come on, somebody say amen. Are you getting something out of this today? The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, we know that we're the righteousness of God. Somebody say, I'm the righteousness of God. Say that right now. I'm the righteousness of God. Now, we know that we're the righteousness of God. And that's who he's talking about when he says the prayer of the righteous man avails much that if you are in Christ, you're the righteous. We are all the righteous. We're not righteous because of our right deeds. We're righteous because of the blood of Jesus. And it says, and Elijah was a man Verse 17, with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And look at what it says. And it did not rain on that land for three years and six months. And then it says in James chapter five, verse 18, that he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. What a powerful type of of prayer that God tells us the prayer of the righteous. See, this is why the devil fights you, tries to condemn you, tries to get you ashamed and tries to get you to question whether you're right with God. When the Bible says we've been given the gift of righteousness, that he has made us the righteousness of God. He became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. So we cannot allow the devil or ourselves to disqualify us from praying prophetic prayer. We have the power to prophesy prayer and to prophesy life and to prophesy power, God's power into existence. You know, if you take this passage where it says that the prayer of a righteous, the prayer of a righteous man avails much and then he uses the example of Elijah. Well, if we go to the book of First Kings where this prayer is actually prayed, I want you to see how this is prophetic prayer and it includes God. It involves God, but it's not asking God. It's not demanding something from God either, but it's exercising the authority that he's given us to exercise. Can you say amen? First Kings, chapter 17, verse one, it says, now Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, and here's Here's it. Here's the totality of this moment of prayer. As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be no there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Wow. This is not God speaking to the heavens as far as the weather and as far as the rain goes. This is Elijah speaking. 
is Elijah actually saying this to Ahab. He's like, as the Lord lives, it will not rain on this land until I say so. And then we know that in verse 18, back in James chapter five, we know that he said so. And when he said so again, the heavens gave rain. Now, that's pretty powerful. But you say, well, that's just Elijah. None of us are like that. You're right. You're more powerful than Elijah. Look at what it says. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew, chapter 11, verse 11. He said, truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not arisen among anyone greater than John the Baptist, the greatest prophet. He said there is no prophet greater than John the Baptist. And Elijah was a prophet, but John the Baptist was was an even greater prophet, according to Jesus. But then Jesus says, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater even than John the Baptist. Why? Greater even than Elijah. Why? Because we have the new covenant and because we have the power of the tongue and because we have the blood of Jesus. And we have the authority that Jesus put into our lives and into our hands that God has given us authority. Behold, he said, I give you I give you power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Jesus said in Luke, chapter 10, verse 19, behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all. Behold, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. You see, prophetic prayer is not demanding God to do something. It's not commanding God to do something. It's commanding life where there is death, commanding healing where there is sickness, commanding breakthrough where there is a barrier, commanding purpose and power where there's been depression, sadness and sorrow and aimlessness. You know, in First Corinthians 14, and we talked a lot about out of this chapter when we talked about the beautiful gift of tongues. And I want to come back to that because praying in tongues is such a powerful, powerful force. But in first Corinthians 14, one, he says, pursue love yet earnestly desire. So the main pursuit is love. Our goal in any situation is the love of God. Pursue love yet, he says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. So God wants us to desire spiritual gifts But then he says one in particular, but especially that you may prophesy. He said we can we are to pursue love. He's talking to all of us. He's not saying some of you pursue love. He's talking to all of us. Pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts. But in your desiring of spiritual gifts, the one to especially desire is to prophesy. Why is this important to prophesy? And what does this mean to prophesy? Well, it means to speak forth life, to speak forth the word of God, to let the word of God bubble up inside of you and then to speak it forth. Jesus spoke of this regarding the Holy Spirit when he said, and out of the belly shall flow rivers of living water in John chapter seven rivers. You have rivers of living water in your belly from the Holy Spirit. And we're supposed to speak those. We're supposed to speak words of life. We're supposed to prophesy over our lives, prophesy over our family, prophesy over our church, prophesy over our country, prophesy over our city, prophesy over our bodies, prophesy over our families to be saved, prophesy over our finances to increase. Man, we have so much power. Acts chapter two, verse 17, after they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, Peter starts 
recollecting what Joel prophesied. And he now says this is coming to pass. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God. Acts chapter two, verse 17, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And notice this and your sons and your daughters. Notice. He doesn't exclude anyone, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy male and female, men and women, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. So the young and the old, we all have the power to prophesy and to prophesy purpose and prophesy vision and prophesy dreams and prophesy God's promises. And he says in verse 18 and on my maidservants, men servants and maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. They shall what? Come on, say it like you mean it. They shall what? They shall prophesy. Come on, we, we have the power. Say, I have the power to prophesy. Say that I shall prophesy. You know what happens when you prophesy? You're taking the word of God that God wrote and God promised and you are speaking it forth into existence. In Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, remember what the Bible says there? For the word of God is living and active. It's alive and powerful. Those words mean it's living and active or it's alive and it's powerful. The word of God is alive and it's powerful. It's living and it's active. It is sharper than a two edged sword. Now, listen to this is so important. When we prophesy, it means to bubble up and to put forth the word of God, to put forth words of life, to put forth that two edged sword, to put forth the promises of God. And I really want you to see this when he uses this word two edged sword. He says this is listen to this, the actual definition of this word two edged or this double edged sword. It literally is translated as twice spoken, twice spoken. Oh, I got to go back for a moment because it's so important to see that the words we speak create atmosphere and bring power to predict our future, because the things that are seen are created by things that are unseen. And our tongue is a weapon of construction. We are literally constructing things as a byproduct of the power that we have of life and death in our tongue. Instead of using our power for destruction, we need to use our power for construction. Now, when the Bible says here in Hebrews chapter four that the word of God is like a two edged sword, sharper than a two edged sword, two edged means twice spoken. It means once spoken by God, which makes it alive and once spoken by us, which makes it powerful. This is what he means by a two edged sword. It's literally translated as twice spoken. Now, I want that to penetrate your mind and your heart right now, because it says earlier in that verse. The word of God is alive and powerful or living and active. God makes his word living. We make it active. God makes his word alive. We activate it. We don't make it powerful, but we use its power 
by speaking it. And that is what activates the word of God. It has to be twice spoken. God already said Jesus is Lord. But when you say it, God said it, that's once. When you say it, it's now it's been twice spoken and it's activated the power of salvation in your life. If we if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Why? Because it's twice spoken. God already said and declared Jesus is Lord. But when you say it, he said it and it made it true. You say it and it makes it active. It puts it into action. It puts it into activity. It gives angels something to work with. It gives even the heavens something to work with. We have to decide that we are going to be people who prophesy. We have to desire this, all the spiritual gifts, but especially to prophesy because it changes things. And we have to decide we're not going to wait for somebody to prophesy to us. We're going to be the prophet over our own lives. I like what he says in Isaiah chapter 42. Let's look there quick because I really want you to get this. And the reason why I wanted to come to you just like this, where I'm talking to you one on one and talking to the entire congregation and talking to everybody here, north, south, east and west, because this is a word that we must take hold of and live in this power for the rest of our lives to live in the power to prophesy. Wow. In Isaiah 42, here it is. But this is a people, it says in the King James Bible, this is a people robbed and plundered. All of them are snared in holes and they are hidden in prison houses. They are for prey. They're, there's a predator making them their prey and, and plundering them because no one says restore. He says, and no one says restore. No one says restore. Boy, I wonder what would start happening if each and every one of us started saying restore. He said the reason these people are stuck in holes and all sorts of problems that never get solved and never get overcome is because no one is saying restore. No one is prophesying restore. No one is declaring restore. I want you to prophesy right. Come on, let's all prophesy together right now. Let's prophesy over our lives. Let's prophesy restore over our health. Come on, just declare that. I speak restoration over my health. Come on, over our family. I speak restoration over my family. I speak salvation over my whole household. I speak restoration over broken relationships. I speak restoration over broken families. I speak restoration over broken homes. I speak restoration over broken finances. I speak restoration over broken bodies in Jesus name. You know why we stay in the condition that we're in? Because no one says restore. And so when we start prophesying like this and saying restore, things start happening. Wow, let me take you to a place in scripture. You know this is true in Ezekiel 37. Remember what God says to Ezekiel? He takes him and gives him, shows him the, the valley of the dry bones. And he says in Ezekiel 37, verse two, he says, son of man. Now notice what he calls Ezekiel, the prophet. He calls him a son of man. And you and I were sons of men. Now we're sons of God also, but even as sons of men, even in our human flesh, we can cause dead bones to live. Son of man, can these bones live? 
Notice how much power God gives us. He's asking us. He says, can these dry bones live? He's saying it's not up to it's not up to God. He already wants those dry bones to live. It's up to us. Can this problem in your family get solved? Can you get the job you need? Can you get the person that you want in your life? Can you have the life that God promised for you to have? Can you actually have that healing? Can you actually overcome that failure that you've had for 10 or 20 or 30 years? Can you actually overcome that disease you've had for 10 or 20 or 30 years? God's asking us. Notice in verse three, he doesn't say to Ezekiel, step aside now, son. And let me speak to these dry bones. He doesn't say that, does he? No, he says. Can these dry bones live? And what is Ezekiel's response? Only, you know, Lord. And, and God says, no, no, no. You prophesy to them and you say to them, oh, you dry bones. He doesn't say talk about them. He doesn't say bring them to God and let God talk about these dry bones or let God talk to these dry bones. He said, call them out by name. Hey, sickness. Hey, dry finances. Hey, bad situation. Hey, broken life. Hey, broken body. I'm talking to you. Listen to the word of God. I command you to live. If we will take hold of what God is showing us here, that it's not up to God to prophesy life. It's not up to God to prophesy healing. It's not up to God to prophesy victory. It's up to God to have provided all of that for us. But it's up to us to prophesy it. It's up to us to call those things that be not as though they were. It's up to us to declare. I command my body to be healed. I command my job situation to get better. I command my finances to grow. I command my health to improve. I command my family to be blessed. I speak it in Jesus name. I prophesy it in Jesus name. Listen, we all believe that these men that were flawed men, they were prophets because God told them to say certain things to the over their lives, over their families, over the over their nation. And God in this new covenant has given us not the same amount of power as them, but even more. We have authority over the devil. We have authority over fear. We have authority over anxiety. We have authority over depression. We have authority over these things and we have to speak life. We have to tell those things. You've been you've kept me dry long enough. I command these bones to live. I command my finances to grow. I command my health to improve. We're not trying to use hocus pocus. We're not trying to perform magic. We don't need to perform magic. God is a miracle working God, but the miracle is in your mouth. The miracle comes from your mouth, even the miracle of your salvation. It came out of your mouth. Like I said earlier, when you declared. That Jesus is Lord and you believed that God rose, raised him from the dead, you were saved. The miracle of salvation was activated through your mouth. Woo! Come on, somebody's got to say amen. Every miracle that you need in your life that God has promised, you activate it with your mouth. You activate it by prophesying. You activate it by calling forth life. Calling forth. 
in the name of Jesus. Woo. So what does it say? It says in in verse three, I prophesied as I was commanded. He said, I prophesied as I was commanded. I want you to see that using the gift of prophecy is a true gift, but we have to stop being a victim in life by ignoring the command to prophesy, by ignoring this gift and ignoring this command to prophesy. We're basically putting it back on God, blaming him or blaming somebody else. And God saying it's in your mouth. Let it out. Decide what you want the rest of your year to look by, look like. Decide what you want the rest of your life to look like. Decide what you want this next season of your life to look like. We have to determine we have to determine that we have to decide we're going to have the life that God promised us. And then we have to determine to move forward, not backward with our words. And then we have to declare restore. We have to declare restore. We don't want to be snared in holes. Look at that verse again. Put that verse up, guys. Look at that verse again in Isaiah 42, verse 22 in the King James Bible. He says, this is a people robbed and plundered. They're hidden. They're snared. They're trapped. And they're lost and they're imprisoned. And no one delivers them because no one says restore. I want to prophesy over you and I want us to prophesy together. Say everything lost is going to be restored. Every good promise is going to be restored. Every good thing in my life is going to be restored. My healing is going to be restored. My blessing is going to be restored. My family, I speak restore. Come on, say it. I speak restore. I speak restore over my life. I speak restore over my family. I speak restore over my business. I speak restore over my health. When we start declaring it, it starts going into activity. I love what Jeremiah says about everything that's lost being restored. It's a celebration in verse 10 from the Message Bible. He says, yes, God's message. You're going to look at this place, these empty, desolate towns, these towns of Judah, these streets of Jerusalem. And you're going to say, wow, these are a wasteland. These are unlivable. Not even a dog could live here. But the time is coming, he says, when you're going to hear laughter and celebration and festivities and people exclaiming that God, thank God of the angel armies. He's so good. His love never quits as they bring thank offerings into God's temple. Listen to what he says. You will say you will say we will say thank God of the angel armies. He's so good. His love never quits as they bring thank offerings into God's temple. And then he says, I'll restore everything that was lost in this land. I'll make everything as good as new. I, God, say so. Wow. He says, I'll restore everything that was lost, but I'll make everything as good as new. But when did he say that? He says it after we say, thank God. 
of the angel armies. He's so good. His love never quits. Thank God of the angel armies. He's so good. His love never quits. Thank God. Come on, everybody prophesy. Thank God of the angel armies. He's so good. His love never quits. Come on, say it again. Thank God of the angel armies. He's so good. His love never quits. As we say that, we're bringing a thank offering to him. You can bring financial offering with you, too, if you want. But when we say that, we are prophesying. We are praying the prayer of thanks, praying the prayer of prophecy. Thank God of the angel armies. He's so good. His love never quits. And then what does God do? God says, I'll restore everything that was lost in the land. I'll make everything as good as new. I, God, say so. Now it's twice spoken when you say it and God says it. That's why you find the promises of God and you prophesy those promises. Guess what you're doing? God already said it once. You're saying it the second time, giving it a double edge and causing it to be activated and go into existence, go into activation, I should say. Well, listen, today. We're out of time, but we're not out of time for you. We're not out of time to accept Jesus into our life. There's always time for that as long as we're here on this earth still. I want you to take a moment right now. And if you're not sure that you're going to heaven when you die, I want to pray with you. Come on, I want you to pray this out loud. Say in the name of Jesus, everybody, wherever you are, just say in the name of Jesus, I believe Jesus is the son of God. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. I believe the blood of Jesus was shed for me. I agree with God. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is Lord in Jesus name. Amen. Well, congratulations if you prayed that prayer. If you did, I've got this book for you that I want you to download wherever you are. It's absolutely free. The Power of a New Life. You can get it on our website. You can go to lifechangerschurch.com slash salvation or there should be a link. Maybe one of our hosts was able to put that link in the comment section of the whatever platform you're watching on and get this book absolutely free. The Power of a New Life. Download it anywhere in the world. It's the next steps in this journey with God and it will lay a firm foundation in your life so that you can build and build and build. And God can build and build and build upon a foundation that will not fade away. I love you. God loves you. I can't wait till we see each other until we worship together next time. If you need prayer for anything, let one of our team members know. If you're in the sanctuary, come on to the front and one of our team members will pray for you, lay hands on you, believe with you and agree with you because if two shall agree about anything they ask, it shall be done by my Father who's in heaven. Amen. God bless you. I love you guys.